Hey there, beautiful souls. Welcome to the Sacred and Root Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Nickel. Welcome and thank you for listening. I really enjoy doing these episodes and it's been awesome that you take the time to listen and share with your friends. And in this episode, I want to dig into a big, juicy, reflective question that is so helpful in gaining clarity in what you're doing in your life. And so basically, if you look at the super high level, your life tells a story about what you're devoted to. Whether you consciously realize it or not, it doesn't even matter what you spend your time doing and who you spend your time with and who you are, who you are being um, when you're doing things with people informs everyone else <laughs> um, what you're devoted to in your life. And so the question, you know, that's the title of this podcast episode is, you know, what are you devoted to? And so I'll start off with two stories and then we'll get into some some other specific questions we could be asking to kind of really give you a lot of, you know, ways of reflecting on this question to see, to give you some insight on your own life and where you maybe are unconscious in some areas and other way, in other areas you're completely conscious about what you're doing and, and that's okay, that's great, you love that part. But maybe there's a couple parts you can tweak, you know? And sorry for my voice, it's a little um, raspy, but uh, there's a lot of birch pollen in the air these days where I live, so it's a bit of a struggle. Some This year's been a really bad allergy season for me compared to most years, but most years are okay, so I'll take that all the same. <clears throat> so, the first story... Um, is that I think for me devotion as a like idea or some kind of thing that I was even aware of uh, came into my life about 20 years ago when I was pretty new to living in Ottawa and you know I was raised Catholic uh, I, th I think I went through my whole or not all of it, but a brief history of me <laughs> in episode one. So if you want to go back and listen to that, if you haven't already, totally pause this and go back and do that if you want the whole story in, you know, timeline kind of order. Uh, but yeah, 20 years ago, I was new to Ottawa. I was raised Catholic, so, you know, it's always, it was always something, wherever I lived, there was, like, a church that we would go to, even if it was, like, for Easter and Christmas, and maybe once in a while, my mom would always go more, for sure, but as a family, sometimes we'd just go for Easter and Christmas, um, and so I was in Ottawa, and I was thinking, like, I probably should find a church, just kind of, like, that's what I should do, and then also if my parents ever came over and then like family visited over Christmas or Easter, then, you know, it'd be good if, if I knew a good church to send them to or to go to with them. Um, and there was also a co-worker at work and she was Catholic and she was a mom. She had, well, she still is, she's alive and well, uh, but she had two daughters that were just a little, like they were in high school and I had just started my career 
So I think she kind of took it as her personal, like, uh, mission a little bit to make sure that I went to church and was, you know, practicing my faith. And so she recommended uh, a church that she thought I would love, and it is in the Glebe, if anyone's familiar with Ottawa, and it's called Blessed Sacrament. And back then, there was a guy who was the priest there, the head priest, I think. I don't know. I think there was more than one priest in that church for some reason. But he was sort of, he was the priest. And he was from BEI, coincidentally. And he was just a super charismatic speaker. You know, like whatever, he could make the Bible come alive in ways that I just didn't realize. And so I really enjoyed his sermons, um, regardless of all the other um, church things and that. But he, I, he was easy to listen to. So I, I did really enjoy his sermons. And he used to have, you know, like the student priests or the assistant priests that come through and they kind of do um almost like a co-op. I don't know exactly what you call it if you're a priest, but they were like the student priest or the priest in training. And there was one guy there one year and he did a sermon uh, on this lady I don't even remember her name. She's in the Bible somewhere, and she had, like, a really tragic story of, you know, she was standing up for something she really believed in against all, you know, everyone else in her life basically was, like, horrified or, you know, was siding with the general thoughts at the time. Um, and so even in face, you know, even facing death, she was not moving. She was devoted to her position and her belief. And and they did end up killing her. And she didn't waver. She, right till the end, she's like, no, what you're doing is wrong. This, like, my opinion is, like, the best thing to do or the right thing to do. Um, and so... I really just thought, you know, I, obviously I can't remember her name, I can't even remember her the details of the story, but I remember sitting in the pew just listening to him talking about her story and how she was just, her conviction was so, so pure. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, wouldn't that be... You know, if if we could only be as devoted as she is to something, that must be, like, really nice. You know, like, you're not just wishy-washy with everything. You're not just like, well, whoever talked to me last, I'm gonna, you know, that's the side I'm going on, or that's what I think I should do too. It's like you had, you know, within her, she had such a clarity and such an alignment that she was just beyond certain that her position was the position. And so, like, there was no talking her out of it. And that is, that's devotion, you know? Like, she was devoted to that cause until the day she died. And she died because of that belief. And I think most of us, you know, maybe we could say we were devoted to a lot of things, um, but in the face of death or threat of death, you know, maybe we would consider <laughs> like 
just even in public, you know, this isn't going to be the thing I'm going to announce or pronounce from the heavens, but maybe in your heart you still would believe a certain way, but you might just, you know, tone it down so that you can survive or, you know, something. So even through the threat of death, she just was just completely certain. And so I remember that priest telling the whole story and I had no real idea where he was going with it at the time until the very end. And then he just closed it with, you know, I wish I can find something in my life, you know, that I could be this devoted to. And, and that was sort of the point of the whole thing was, can we, each of us, find something, if only one thing, um, but hopefully others, that we can just do with such a purity of heart and be with such a purity of heart that we, we, you know, we have just sort of a very conscious way of moving through our lives because we are so in devotion to, um, whatever it is that we decide to be. And so at that point I hadn't had kids yet and, you know, obviously that they would probably be what I would say would be my first pick for something to be, you know, in the face of death devoted to, you know, you'd uh, risk life and limb and whatever else to kind of make sure that they could move forward with their lives. Um, but that is the first place that I sort of started thinking. And I, at the time I was like, I don't really think I have too much to say about that. Cause you know, I almost basically felt guilty that I couldn't think, you know, like, of course this and this and this are my, you know, this is what I'm devoted to. Um, but at the time I just didn't really, there was nothing that I could think of that would be, uh, something that I was devoted to, to that, to that level. And now the second story is from my trip to Barcelona, Spain. That was about 10 years ago. And what a beautiful place. And like, I mean, the Spanish people are so awesome. So obviously go there if you ever get a chance. Um, it was a trip that I took through work because we were... I was on, um, it was a training. It was sort of a class, like a year-long class that I was taking in a business role. So it was for engineers who wanted to kind of move into like uh, more management, more business ownership. And so we took it all online. It was one of like the early adopting online classes because it was worldwide. Uh, and then it all finished with like a couple of weeks in Spain. And so everyone would, you know, you'd get to meet your classmates and all that stuff. So it was a really wicked experience. Um, but we did have a lot of work to do when we were there. And there was a lot of like organized social events as well. And so there wasn't a ton, there was barely any free time to just tour around. And at that point... Uh, you know, I had a family back home, so I couldn't just, you know, two weeks even seemed like a long time to be away from them. So I didn't stay later or go earlier. Uh, but there was some people there from Spain, from Barcelona, uh, who I did talk to and asked, like, you know, if you had your top three 
picks for things to see or visit, you know, for somebody who's never been here before, what would they be? And all each one of them uh, had one, at least, that was the same, and it was um, the Sagrada, how do you say it, the Sagrada Familia? I'm not even sure, because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not overly Spanish and linguistic, but it's a uh, basilica, Sagrada Familia, Familia? Familia, something like that. Anyway, it's a basilica in, in Barcelona. And so, you know, I like, obviously, I like spiritual stuff. So I was like, all right, that's up my alley, no problem. And I didn't really look it up too much, like, other than, like, where is it? So I f ordered tickets to go and went, figured out where it was, figured out how to get there, went there. And when I got out of the metro station and came, like, above ground, I was astonished at what it was like it was insane it was it is so so tall um compared to a lot of the buildings around there and just out of this world design like it's incredible and so it just blew my mind like I mean I I'm an engineer so I know how to build things and the way that the architectural, the way that it looked and the stone that it was built out of, it was like two things that didn't go together the way that they were trying to build it. Like it was so far beyond what normal, you know, designs would be that it was just incredible. So, so this basilica, Sangrat, Sagrada Familia. Hopefully I'm saying that close enough that you can Google it. But it's the largest unfinished Catholic church in the world. And it's not even an unfinished Catholic church because it just got started like 10 years ago. It's been under construction since the day it started, <laughs> which was over 100 years ago. It was in 1882. And so the architect was Antoni Gaudi, who died in 1926. The construction was funded by private money mainly, and so that's why it's been taking kind of forever. Um, but it's also been taking forever because it's there, it's so complex, and some of the you know design problems you probably almost have to chew on for a bit to try and figure out like how are we even going to do this. And then come up with the idea and then figure out how you're going to literally build it too. Um, so in 2010, the people that are involved in the construction at this point, they thought that at that point they had confidently finished at over half of the church. And so, and let me remind you, it started in 1882. So in 2010, they were like, okay, I think we're half done. Let's go. And their anticipated completion is 2026. And it's speeding up massively just because I think it's becoming extremely popular as far as a tourist spot. So there's, it's easier to get the money to fund the construction and, and construction and building is just miles faster than it ever was back in the early 1900s and and all that so there so I guess the, the main point I want to make here is that this building the man who 
uh, envisioned it. Anthony Gaudi. He died in 1926. Construction started in 1882. And so he spent, you know, like 40 years of his life, more than 40 years of his life, um, with this design that he had, that he, he knew he would never see it finished, but he had this incredible vision for something never done before, never even done since. And his conviction or his devotion to seeing it through and, you know, probably having to like sell it to people and having to kind of gain popularity for it and kind of, you know, make sure that people knew that, you know, if they put their money in this construction, it was going to be amazing. It was going to be an incredible thing to do and be a part of. And so for his career, or I would assume the larger part of his career, he spent his time on a construction project that he was never, ever going to see the, the grand, you know, the grand, grand opening of. But that didn't limit his vision. You know, he didn't downsize the church. He didn't take off the spires. He didn't, you know, make it a little more rectangular <laughs> like most churches. He still had like, you know, the place has so many curves to it. It has stone that basically is built like tree trunks branching off into different areas, holding up the roof. Like it's absolutely, you know, my jaw was open the whole time, just like, wow, this is incredible. And and then the length of time that it has been under construction is just phenomenal. And so he, this is another example of just like an utter devotion to something that you cannot see, you cannot prove. Like it's it's something like you just have the vision and you know you can do it and it can get built and it can get done and it's going to be amazing even if it's not done until 2026 or whatever they think it's going to be at this point. And so they, you know, historians estimated that at the time of his death, the architect's death, they had only completed about a quarter of the construction. And so that's just like, it's such a beautiful legacy to the country, to the community, to the people of Spain. And, um, and the Catholic religion in general, really. And so, you know, I went in there. So that was just the outside. I'm just walking around the outside at this point going like, holy frig, like what? Like, it, it's just nuts. It's almost like I want to just ask, like, was he on drugs? But at the same time, I don't want to discount the imagination and the creativity that people have within them, right? So I, but I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that's the outside. I go inside and the thing is just even more like it's not even like you go inside and it's just more like a regular church. You know, there's certainly the same layout as far as like pews and the altar area at the front. But but all along the side and like the big colonnades that were holding up the roof are, you know, they're like gorgeous wide tree they literally look like tree trunks like wide tree trunks that kind of like are wide at the base they come up they are continually changing diameter 
the entire height of them. And at the roof, they kind of split into, you know, six or seven smaller, what I would call branches. And then they grab the roof structure, which is another, you know, it's got like different shapes of windows and lighting. And it's just, it's amazing. Um, and the whole structure just feels so fluid, I think is the, the thing that really struck me is that stone is usually a, a tradition. It is a traditional building method or material, but it, but it also is usually, you know, the most fluid it gets is like an arch or something. Um, but this, it was just everything flowed. Like there was hardly any, you know, just straight vertical lines they would always be curving in one direction or the other. Uh, and so I do remember sitting in one of the pews at some point and just wanting to like take it all in because it was just so, it was a multi-sensory experience for me because I think on one level as an engineer, but also as a lover of like spirituality and just different religions in general, uh, and then the feeling in the building was just magical because when you put that much unique imagination and creativity and it becomes like a physical manifestation of that, that is magical. I mean, and this was just so far out of anything anyone had done even today that it's almost like, holy crap, like the audacity of that guy to not only imagine it, but like make the plans and, you know, keep the plans and move ahead with the construction and just like little by little, this is going to get done. And like over a hundred years later, it looks like it will. And I'm sure he's sitting there friggin', you know, from the other side, just like, yes, <laughs> thank God that was great. Like, you know, good job for him for getting the ball rolling, literally. Anyway, so yeah, I sat there and, you know, just like looked around, took so many photos, but like they just, I should have probably taken videos, but I think at that point I didn't really have a video thing on my phone, maybe. I'm not sure. But, um, but it was completely magical. And the devotion that that guy had to his vision was like 10 out of 10 off the charts incredible amazing like once in a century kind of thing and so I just sat there looking around and started to cry because I was kind of like I didn't know what to do I had you know it was like a visual experience that I couldn't barely believe I could see this with my eyes like is this for real and like my design mind is going like how do you compute this <laughs> literally what are the formulas like I'd love to know all the math they did on it and and then just the spiritual like because it's a church it's a basilica um just that whole layer too like it was it was unreal and so that was when I was really right in the middle of um my divorce too which was a obviously a, a major low point and so I think that whole stress of that, and when I sat in there and just kind of looked around like, holy moly, like, is this what you can, you know, if you put your imagination to it and your devotion, 
you can literally do it's like the sky's the limit there is no limit to what can be made or done and so I think from that I had just like whew this is this is a bit too much but I love it so I sat there and cried for a bit and then and then also like it just came to me kind of the question like how you know how can I best serve like how what am I here to do that's even on like one iota one-tenth of what this guy was imagining for her for life you know and so it just really drove home the power of intention the power of devotion the power of like your focus and where are you putting your attention and what um when you do have such a clarity on what you want to put your attention on you can move mountains and so, yeah, years later, that was 10 years ago, um, I find myself asking this question off and on all the time. Other, like, clients and friends, like, other people have been using it as well, where it's just a really good reflective way to refocus you. Um, because we're, you know, we're all humans. We have messy lives. There's different things that happen that we don't have any control over and and so sometimes we can get off track and it's unintentional but it happens what is always a choice that we have is to make you know be reflective enough to see oh okay shoot yeah I have gotten off track here um let's scoot myself back on the tracks and and where am I going or what am I doing here and how to reorient yourself and so what are you devoted to here's um I guess here's some questions that I just want you to take in and maybe you don't have the answer to maybe you want to journal on them a little bit uh think about them in the car when you're driving to work think about them in the bathtub or the shower, like whatever it is, but just to start chewing on things uh, to get your mind noticing and your attention focused on the things that are right for you and not focused on the things that you sort of just, they're like distractions really at the end of the day. Because whatever we put our attention on, it grows. And so what are you growing in the flower bed of your life, right? Um, Are you devoted to love? Are you devoted to being right? Are you devoted to your joy? Are you devoted to other people's needs over your own? Are you devoted to your body's health? Are you devoted to your laughter? Are you devoted to being a martyr? Are you devoted to being the one that always works the hardest? Are you devoted to your curiosities? 
Are you devoted to being angry? Unforgiveness? Are you devoted to shame and guilt? And are you devoted to adventure? And lastly, are you devoted to peace of mind? And so with all of these, these are just sort of a bunch of sample questions to get you kind of brainstorming. Um, but really, you can take any instance in your day, any instance in your life or your week, whatever, and think in that moment, what was I devoted to? And unravel it from there. You know, maybe you're like, yeah, that was great. I think I did a great job there. And congratulations, good job. Um, but then sometimes stuff goes sideways and it's like, oh, I should have said this or maybe I should have done that. And so those are just like learning experiences. Everything's a learning experience. And But if you're aware of it, then you can kind of move a little more consciously through your life, through your day, through your week, whatever it is. And that's where the power is. That's, that's where you're, you know, that's where you can really focus and pinpoint and tune into what you're doing here and what you want to do and start to, um, you know, not give as much attention to things that are really distracting you from your heart's desires, from your joy, from your curiosities, from love, um, and from forgiveness. And so, you know, overall, I think that's probably where I'll leave it right now. Um, if you want a story, I have a mosquito just flying around the room here, which is really distracting me. <laughs> Speaking of distractions, um, anyway. And so, yeah, okay, so I will just close on this. You know, start asking, I think probably, you know, like really good questions are so, so, you know, evolving, if you want to call it that. But just, yes, reflect, ask yourself, you know, how are you devoted? What are you devoted to? What do you want to be devoted to? And then are you devoted to that yet even? You could look at it that way as well. Um, and just start tweaking. Your life is like a giant experiment. And so just one tweak at a time and keep moving forward. And so I do want to thank, you know, thank everyone for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. Um, if you did like this episode, hit subscribe, leave a review, um, share with friends. That would be wonderful. Uh, and I did want to say as well, um, this episode is, um, being brought to you by, if I can say that, uh, the Wellspring Goddess Collective membership, which is a membership that I run. Uh, there's a meditation and, you know, the sort of natural cycles is the way that we run it. And so it's, 
it takes you through the moon cycles every month. We meditate on different themes. Um, and it's just an opportunity for you to focus on yourself, get quieter, you know, get into what you start peeling away the layers, I guess, of society and family and everything expectations, and to just really start tuning into what you would love to do in this lifetime. Uh, so if that sounds up your alley, uh, there is um, like a $1 trial for the month of June. So if you sign up, you can get the month of June for $1. Uh, and then after that, if you want to continue, it goes to the regular price. Um, but it's a great opportunity to try it and just literally actually have the experience of a month and see if it's added anything that you love. And if it hasn't, that's great. Cancel whenever you want. And if it does, then you're welcome to stay. We'd love to have you. So I think that's it for now. Oh yeah, and the link to that, if you want to look for more details on it, is lisanickel.ca backslash trial. So T-R-I-A-L. lisanickel.ca backslash trial. All right. Take care. Have a beautiful day and enjoy the journey of devotion. <laughs>